question implies that you're taking away from the Lord to invest in mutual funds because the market is down. Uh, that's not, uh, you know, that's not the right thing to do. Okay, you give to the Lord and remember, any investment, any savings is, is, is with whatever is left, okay, after you've given. Uh, and when you invest something, when some other needs come up and the Lord is laying it on your heart to provide for that, you should be willing to pull it, okay? Just in a practical terms, you know, this, this thing of investing in mutual funds when the market is down is, is not a very smart thing to do. I mean, it, it is, well, it's not a, it, it's a good thing to do, but, but if you're going to be investing in the stock market, in mutual funds and all that, you should do it on a consistent basis, okay? Not only when it's down, right? Uh, if you do it consistently, then, you know, it sort of smooths out the ups and downs of, uh, of the market, okay? Uh, that's nothing to do with the Bible. I'm just giving you my own personal advice. Okay, next question was, what must be our attitude to participating in lotteries? All right, interesting question. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know where to start with this, but uh, first of all, you know, lotteries are, uh, let's think about what a lottery is, okay? Uh, lottery is just gambling, okay? It's, uh, it's, it's playing purely your luck, okay? Uh, why, do, why do you play the lottery? Okay, what is your motivation? Um, and I, from a Christian perspective, I cannot think of a positive motivation for playing the lottery. Okay, because it is, it is all it is, is I play my luck, I throw some money into it, and I, in the expectation that I'm going to, you know, get millions and billions or whatever, right? Um, again, that is not the way that the Lord intended us to earn money. Okay, the Lord intended us to earn money by working. Okay, either we work for an employer who pays us, work for a ministry that might be paying us, or, you know, we, we rely completely on him, okay, doing his work, and then he pays us, okay, through, through other believers. Those are the only ways that I can think of which, you know, are biblical in terms of how you earn money, okay? Uh, but, uh, uh, so, so, so really, and then secondly, when you go beyond that, I mean, that itself should answer the question, right? But then, Let's just take a step ahead. Uh, you know, what is a lottery? I mean, a lottery is, is one of the most dangerous things. Okay, a lottery is gambling. Gambling is addictive. It is ruined and it is ruining, uh, you know, pores of lives. Okay, uh, and, and just ruining people completely. Uh, and, and you look at what it's associated with and, and, and it's nothing more than, uh, uh, you know, more than a way to just fool people out of their money. Okay, and the motivation is all wrong. The, the impact of it on society is just all wrong. Uh, and uh, when you look at, um, you know, people have done this analysis okay, on, uh, on who actually puts into the lottery, right? And, and the attractiveness of the lottery is I just need to put a small amount and uh, you know, there's a chance that I might get a bigger one. You look, at, you look at people, what happens is they start doing that and they keep doing it every week because, you know, today is my lucky day, right? Well, last week I spent 10 rupees or 1,000 rupees or whatever on buying the lottery. Uh, you know, it didn't happen, but maybe today, today I feel lucky, right? So people get crazy about this stuff. And, and they've done these studies which show that, that the people who, who actually go and, um, you know, spend more money on the lottery are actually the poor, the lower end of society, okay, economic uh, rung of the ladder. Uh, because, you know, they're living hopeless lives and they think that this is the way for them to get rich. And, and in effect, what happens is that uh, it ends up 
you know, when they become addictive, drain them. So you look at it, you know, you can look at it any way you want. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, the lottery is a, is a uh, you know, is an absolutely, uh, uh, you know, negative thing. And I, I would, I would say that no Christian should have anything to do with the lottery. Okay. Does anybody have any comments or any follow-up questions on that? Anybody have a contrary opinion? George, just one more view about lottery is that uh, it works in the system that uh, one person takes away everybody else's money. I mean, that's like because it's not charity. So that, that also is, I think, you know, a principle which goes against, uh, you know, what Absolutely. we do. And, and by the way, Jerry, just to add what you said to the point I just made, it actually, you know, in, in the US, for example, okay, many states decided that lottery was a good way to make money. Okay, a couple of states and then, then it sort of spread. So what they do is the state itself sponsors a lottery. Uh, and they say, we're going to use the money that we get out of this to uh, fund uh, our schools. Okay, fund uh, in Georgia where I used to live, they have something called a Hope Scholarship. Okay, And it was meant to give, any resident could get, uh, if they maintained a certain grade, they would get a scholarship uh, for four years of college or something. It was, it was a fairly good scholarship. And uh, uh, and uh, and the money, all the money for that scholarship came from the lottery, right? And and there were millions of people participating in the lottery, and they were making good money. You know, it seems like a noble purpose, right? Oh well, I'm supporting education. Well, somebody went and did some analysis, and they realized that it was a it was an incredible reverse wealth transfer. So they looked at the the zip codes or the pin codes, is called a zip code in the U.S. of the people you know, where the lottery tickets were being sold, okay? And then they looked at who's benefiting from these um, scholarships, the HOPE scholarships, so-called, okay? And, and it was very clear that the, the biggest income coming in the lottery was coming from the poorest zip codes. And, and the way that things work in America is, you know, all the rich people congregate to certain areas and the poor people end up stuck in the urban areas and all that. Uh, so it's very easy to figure this out. So, uh, you know, all the, and so they've, they've classified zip codes as middle class, rich, you know, up, up, upper class and poor and, and really, really poor and all this kind of stuff. So the people where the, the income coming into the lottery was coming from the, uh, the, the poorest neighborhoods, okay? And, and the people who are benefiting were, uh, you know, people who had a lot of money. I mean, they're the ones who send their kids to college. They, they've educated their kids. They get better SAT scores. And it's not the poor. You know, the poor end up uh, dropping out of high school. Their, their kids end up dropping out. They never go to college. They just, you know, do uh, low-paying jobs. And they get nothing out of it, right? So even where, you know, the government puts in this sort of thing and calls a Pope scholarship and all, it's, it's really very ungodly, very, uh, um, you know, I, really, I can't even come up with a proper word, okay? So please stay away from lawyers. That's I'll close with that. All right. Okay, the next question is, uh, I just started working. Can you suggest some good methods to invest money other than putting it in the bank? Opinion on investing in stocks. So I think I've sort of addressed this. So uh, if you just started working, my, my advice to you is don't get too worried about investing in stocks. First, you know, get your, get your principles right. Okay, get your foundation right in terms of how you're handling your money. Okay, go back and implement. And I can tell you, that the reason I've been blessed so much in my life in this area is really because I started implementing these, um, you know, from the very first uh, time I started earning. And I, 
I learned by the grace of God, uh, I was exposed to these principles before I even started, before I even got a job. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, and, uh, and therefore, uh, uh, you know, starting in small ways, okay, uh, by being faithful in my giving, by being convicted by the Lord to give even more and, and building it up over time and, and, and controlling my spending and, and ensuring that uh, my lifestyle was, uh, you know, was maintained at a certain level and not always, you know, keeping on going up as my income went up. Uh, you know, it's helped me to stay out of debt. Uh, it's helped me to be really financially free. It's, it's allowed me to, to give more to the Lord, right? And, and be a blessing to many others, which in turn has been a blessing to me. So, uh, so please focus on that, okay? And first see, you know, have you built a budget? Okay, am I saving for my more immediate needs? Um, you know, am I uh, giving to the Lord? Am I giving to the Lord in a disciplined manner? Am I, am I controlling my spending on where I eat and what I eat and that budget? Am I, am I monitoring that budget? So focus on that first if you just started working, okay? Because there's no better time to build a discipline than, than now, okay? If you are just starting in life, okay, and you are starting to earn an income, okay? Then later on, you know, when you have some money to save and you start saving, you know, you always, um, uh, uh, maybe I'll, I'll expand the answer a little bit, you know, when you start saving, the first thing you should save for is, is to build uh, what I call a, a rainy day fund. Okay? Uh, what this is, is uh, again, in the current environment, it, it's very relevant, you know, is something happens, okay? you lose your job, right? Um, you know, you don't want to be, uh, you know, you, if you have some ex, extra left after you give and after you meet your needs, you know, and you don't have any immediate needs that you know that are coming up, you know, young guy, maybe, maybe uh, you probably won't. You know, you can start saving up, start saving up to, you know, one month of income, two months of income, three months of income. Okay. Uh, try to get to at least three. If you can get to about six, that's great. But somewhere between three and six is a guideline. Okay. I, I think, you know, look at the biblical principles of saving. That's, that's wise. Okay. That's like the ant laying up for the rainy day, for the, for the winter. Okay. Uh, you know, during the harvest, right? While, while God is giving you that harvest, you're laying up. But, but again, Remember, somewhere along the way, if you become too greedy, that goes from saving to hoarding. Okay, so you know when the six months starts going, uh, you know, to eight months and twelve months and all, then it's like you know what, uh, maybe you're 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 skirting that line a little bit. Again, this is something I'm telling you. Uh, the reason I said six is to is to sort of have a guardrail. Okay, it's not something. There's nothing in scripture or verse that just says three is right or four is right or seven is right. Okay, it's, it's a guardrail to say, you know what, uh, three seems reasonable, six is sort of okay, but maybe once you get past that. So keep, keep that and, 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 and where you invest it, uh, you know, you've got to do a risk assessment. Okay, so, so what is, uh, if you look at investments, okay, the, the least riskiest investment, uh, you know, is uh, uh, actually is, is just cash, keep it, keep it under your pillow. I mean, the only thing is that because somebody else had a question, inflation, because of inflation loses value. So even that over time probably doesn't make sense. If you're in a deflationary environment where the interest rates are almost zero, uh, yeah, maybe keeping cash makes sense. Okay? So, but cash, you know, it, it will be what it is. And, and uh, you know, other than inflation, you know, you're not going to lose more value than inflation. 
The next one is if you put it in a bank account, right? A savings account uh, or an FD or whatever, where you're getting a fixed interest, that interest rate is guaranteed, you know, and a lot of the banks are backed up by the government. So you're not going to lose your money, okay? When you start going beyond that, the level of risk starts going up. So the next level of risk is uh, when you do mutual funds, okay? So mutual funds, generally, they're very diversified. Over time, you know, the risk is fairly reasonable. Uh, you know, over time, they tend to sort of go up, okay? But not sort of rocket up, right? Maybe during certain seasons, but what you come down and over a long term, it, it sort of goes up sort of gradually, okay? The next one is... Uh, is uh, investing in uh, the next most risky is investing in, uh, in individual company stocks. So this is, when you do that, uh, the risk is that it's, you know, there's no diversification. It's, everything is based on how that company does. And as we've seen lately, you know, so many companies filing for bankruptcy and, you know, all these kind of things, right? So, so that then, the, then beyond that, you get into, of course, the returns tend to be higher as well. Okay? If you take more risk, uh, it's, a, it's a principle of investing. The higher the risk, the higher the return, okay? Uh, but, but also the chance of the higher the potential return, but also higher the potential loss, right? So that's why it's called risky, right? The less risk you get, you know, if you put in a bank today, you might get three or 4% interest. Okay? If you put it in the stock market, you might get six or 7%, okay? If you put it into an individual company, if the company does really well, you might get 15 or 20%, okay? Or it could be zeros, um, you know, or it could lose. Uh, you know, then beyond that, you get into some really complex kind of stuff, you know, uh, futures and all these kind of things, which are, which start getting into that sort of betting on things and requires a lot of knowledge. Uh, you know, as believers, you know, I, I can't give a black and white advice on this, but I would say, you know, uh, stay away from, from that sort of risky end of the, uh, of the investment uh, arena. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so if I was doing my rainy day fund, emergency fund, you know, I would probably just keep it in the bank, okay, uh, and keep it fairly liquid to where I could pick, I could you know, withdraw it when I need it. Okay. Uh, so this next question is about inflation eats up the value of the investment. How much ever we plan will still be inadequate, pushing us to invest more. How would you look at this? So again, um, you know, I, I talked about inflation yes inflation is always a factor it's a factor of life it reduces the value of money uh, which is why if you have money you invest it you put it in the bank you get some interest so at least you're staying even right but uh, you know again i would i would just say go back to the attitude okay what am i doing this for uh, you know i have certain money invested but but personally i don't i really don't spend a lot of time worrying about it okay and if i were to look at it you know, if I had looked at it two months ago in February and Mar or in March, you know, I would have panicked probably, okay, because of what was happening in the market. But again, over the years, you know, this is something I've done prayerfully. And, uh, you know, I say, you know what, Lord, this is the money that's there. You know what it's there for. Uh, it's your money anyway. Okay. If you want it to go up, uh, great. If you don't want it to go up, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not bothered about it. Right? So, so we need to have that kind of an, of an attitude towards the money. Uh, and uh, and not be so wound up in in terms of you know uh, again that's where you know it comes to trusting the Lord right we're not relying on our savings we're not relying on our investments we're relying on the Lord okay but but as wise stewards yes we do set aside certain things okay uh, okay I'd like to retire early enough to life and spend the rest of my life in carrying out church ministries 
parachurch ministries without any without being dependent on anyone for my sustenance needs or so first of all you should always be dependent on the lord okay but i understand the meaning of the question there i'm sure that person didn't mean it that way but um, you know my 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 answer to this would be first of all don't wait until you're retiring okay i, I hope that this is intent to say that you know i'm already doing the work of the lord and i want to you know i have a desire to uh, you know to not work till i'm 60 okay or 65 whatever okay forever and i want to devote more time to the lord right more than what i'm doing currently um that's that's a perfectly legitimate desire and then you know you just take that desire to the lord right but but again it should not be driven so much by do i have enough money it is is that what the lord is calling me to do you know can i be more effective for the lord if i were to stop working today and uh, you know uh, and uh, go into what we call full time work okay uh, so that should really be what drives them uh, so there were a lot of questions on this proverbs 1322 it looks like proverbs 1322 is a favorite verse uh, of a lot of people a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children but the sinner sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous so Uh, again uh, when we read the proverbs i explained this last week you know so some of the questions were uh, you know uh, 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 in light of the question above could you give us a practical application how can how can we save for our grandchildren unless we store up only then can we save for our children yeah yeah i mean uh, logically that is true but uh, let's look at what the point of that whole passage is right the point of the passage is 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 about righteousness okay it's about wisdom uh and uh, and it's really more about about you know uh, how we choose to spend right you you're, you're being wise you're not wanted you're not just spending your money so that you have nothing left uh and if you do that and the lord blesses you then you know you might have something left to give to your children and secondly uh you know we have a, a bias towards uh, looking at this verse or that passage as purely related to money okay now maybe that's a direct thing but you know an inheritance to your children your children's children is not just money you know to me uh, i i think the spiritual inheritance is far greater or far greater value okay so so there's nothing wrong with uh, you know towards the end of your life if you have some extra money left and the lord has provided you have kept something aside for your latter years you don't need it you know helping out your children or your, or your grandchildren when they have a need okay but i don't believe that we can say scripturally that you know that we have to that therefore but use that we can use that verse to just amass tons of wealth and tons of property which is what people do today uh, you know so that our children now grandchildren can be self sufficient okay that's talking about how if you are righteous you know the lord will bless you and you will you will be able to bless your children and your grandchildren that can be monetarily that can be spiritually that can be in other ways okay with your wisdom um so so let's look at it more holistically uh and uh, as opposed to using it as an as a as a basis for you know hoarding you know, what i call hoarding wealth at the expense of immediate needs okay immediate needs uh, of the poor immediate needs of believers in need or immediate needs of the ministry okay uh, so again ultimately it all comes back to the balance should we uh, be avoiding investment in which returns come through interest charged to others uh, the answer to that is there's nothing wrong with interest per se we talked about that a few times 
you know, where it becomes wrong is usury and exploitation of people. Okay? Uh, and uh, generally speaking, you know, most banks, they're regulated, you know, they're, they're not allowed to do that kind of thing. You know, there, there are interests that go with the market inflation and limits and all that. So, uh, you know, we shouldn't be too worried about that. Uh, is investing in stocks a good idea? I've seen some people, once they've invested, are always looking and busy uh, at the stock market. If not, can you suggest some of the other ways to invest? So again, uh, I already addressed this, right? It is, uh, it is not, it is not uh, you know, again, remember that verse, you know, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also, okay? Uh, whatever you put in the stock market should not be your treasure, okay? That's, your heart should not be in that, okay? It's, just think of it as nothing more than another avenue to invest something that I have that I have prayerfully decided to invest, and I believe that you know I'm right with the Lord in doing that. But beyond that, you know, uh, you know, we shouldn't get overly worried about it. We shouldn't get so entwined with it that it takes our heart away from the Lord. Okay, uh, what would be the right balance between taking care of future needs of the family and trusting the Lord? would take care of their needs. Example, buying a house. So non-owning spouse has that. Yeah. So again, uh, you know, uh, there's no black and white answer to this, right? So I think, again, uh, there are some very fundamental things we've talked about, right? Uh, one of them is, what is my lifestyle? How much am I spending? Number two, you know, in other words, what is the purpose of my spending? You know, am I trying to achieve a status? Am I just trying to meet my needs? You know, secondly, Am I, am I uh, faithfully and consistently giving to the Lord, right? Uh, you know, you look at all of these and then, you know, when I make that saving decision, am I doing it prayerfully? Okay, is it a reasonable amount that I'm saving? Uh, is it for a particular reason that I'm saving? You know, have I committed that to the Lord? Have me and my spouse discussed this and have we prayed about it? You know, I'm a, do I have peace about it, right? Uh, am I willing to take out of that and give if the Lord directs my heart that way? So you look at all of these things and, and there's nothing wrong with, with, with buying a house, uh, but then go back to the principles we talked about debt. Okay. Don't get into excessive debt. Make sure that when you, when you commit to that EMI, that it's not straining your budget, uh, that it's not reducing your giving, uh, that uh, if something were to happen to you, you could you know, sell that house and pay off your loan. Right. So make sure you're not over borrowing, you're putting in enough of a down payment so that you have enough equity in the house. I am saving for buying a home in fixed deposit with interest rate coming down and transferring. Saving for a home, right? Okay, I talked about that. Is it right to invest in mutual funds? So we talked about all of these things. Okay, uh, there is nothing wrong with uh, trying to move your investments around to, you know, in the interest of getting a better return. Okay, I'll go back to the, the parable of the talents, uh, you know, where the Lord himself said, yeah, you should have invested this in Interesting right? says that. So, but again, uh, I think um, I think don't we should not as believers get too fixated on this. Okay, uh, and also it depends on the go back to the what I talked about the risk reward ratio. Okay, uh, you know, and 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 that's all determined by time frame. All right. So if you're planning to buy a house within a year, uh, you know, staying in an FT or something is much better, much less risky. If you're going to do it, say you're planning five or six, 10 years down the road, then you put in the mutual funds over time, they tend to go up. Okay, so that's just worldly advice, okay? Practical advice for you. Uh, scripture itself doesn't 
address this. Are we uh, are any warning signs for when you're saving wisely has become hoarded? So I think we've already addressed this. Uh, it's a matter of the heart, okay? It's a matter of looking at how much have I accumulated? Uh, why am I accumulating this? Uh, and remember, we talked about some principles. We said, you know, if you're going to invest or save, set a maximum, okay? Say, you know what, at this point in time, I'm not going to go save more than this much, okay? Maybe it's 100% of my annual income. I'm just making that up. Uh, you know, set a limit and say, you know what, that's, that's enough. Okay. When I, when I go beyond that, I, I'm crossing into that hoarding. All right. Investment is for a purpose, uh, cover future education costs, example, need for a home, future job, uncertainty, decrease in value. Perfect. Uh, everything we've talked about. Does this mean I trust God less? Um, so uh, yes, sometimes it can mean that. Okay, so I think, uh, again, you have to always go back to your heart, okay, and say, am I getting to that point where I am, I am getting so caught up in accumulation and savings so that my dependence on God is less, okay, and that would be a, you know, if you, if you conclude that's the case, then, you know, you need to take some of that savings and give it off to the Lord, okay, look around, okay, and when the, and maybe a good way is when needs are brought to you, okay, and you're hesitant to give because you have saved so much, you know what, I've saved you know, and you're saying, you know, go back to my example of the rainy day fund. Okay? I've saved up, I've managed to save up six months worth. Okay? Now, some need comes up, it's one month worth, worth uh, you, know, you take up one month of that, you know, of my six months. You know, am I willing to give it up? Okay, and go down to five and then maybe start building it up again. Right? Uh, it's a matter of where your heart is. Uh, you know, and who am I relying on? Am I really relying on my savings or am I trusting in the Lord? And you know in your heart, okay, what who you're trusting on. So always examine your heart, go back to your heart. Okay. Um, I've been saying for a home. Yeah, okay, we talked about this uh, about mutual funds. Again, you know, whether you go into mutual funds or the stock market or not, uh, you know, be, be smart about that. Look at the time frames and, uh, you know, and the risk uh, the amount of risk you're taking. Okay? How do we intentionally teach our children to live frugally? Uh, what a scripture, what scripture portion should be the basis of our teaching? So I can, uh, I can point you to some books around this, uh, but we've talked about a lot of scripture portions. Okay, go to the, go to the, the, the notes that I've given you. Uh, now, how do we intentionally teach our children? See that children learn primarily by example. Okay, and we're going to start a series on that. They learn by watching you. Uh, they learn by how you react to their uh, requests. So you start from a very young age. Okay? You start by ensuring that you're not spending uh, lavishly above and beyond your means. You ensure by letting children know that they can't have everything they want. Okay, uh, By uh, you know, not getting them used to a certain lifestyle such that they grow up feeling entitled and expecting that. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and of course, all of the verses... Everything I'm just telling you is the principles of spending, the principles of, of giving, all of these kind of things, right? So you can start teaching them those things, okay? You can, you can give your kid, a child, uh, say, a small allowance, okay? Maybe they do little things around the house that teaches them responsibility, and you give them a small, not, not, not something lavish, you know? Uh, maybe a few rupees, uh, 10, 20, 50, whatever, you know, rupees a week or something, okay? Uh, even if it's 10 rupees a week when they're young, okay? And then you teach them and say, you know what? Uh, son or daughter, uh, you know, the word of God teaches us that we have to give to the Lord. So out of that 10 rupees, 
you know, I want you to put two rupees, you know, into the offering, okay, this week, okay, uh, and uh, and then you need to keep two rupees so that you know you want to always buy birthday presents for your friends, you know, you save it up and then or for your brother or sister, you, you do that, right? So you're teaching them about spending, you're teaching them about saving, you're teaching them about giving. So you can you you can do practical things like this to help them learn these things uh, and to learn to be frugal and to you know, inculcate these principles into them at a very young age, okay? So uh, again, there's a lot of resources out there that, that you can, uh, and in fact, in my uh, notes at the very end of it, uh, you know, it does, uh, it does uh, actually have a list of bibliography of books that you can, uh, okay, there's a couple of questions about jobs. Uh, so it says, what are the factors to not consider when looking for a job uh, and then the similar question so example is better pay similar question along the same lines is what would you say to someone who is discontent with their current salary and looking to switch jobs for a higher pay is this unchristlike attitude to have okay um, so you know in terms of looking for a job first of all remember the principle of contentment okay we need to be content with where we are. Now, does that mean that we never switch jobs? Uh, I don't think so. But definitely the motivation is important. Okay? Um, and, uh, and, and again, even, even if there is a motivation for more salary, there's nothing wrong with that per se. Okay? But a uh, uh, but couple of things I'll say. One is that regardless of your contentment or whatever, okay, with the salary, you know, as a believer, we are called to work diligently as unto the Lord. Okay? Ephesians 6. Right? So you should never, you should always work your best, produce the best, you know, performance. Don't let your discontent or unhappiness with your salary or your benefits or whatever ever cause you to not give it your 100%. Okay? Not give it uh, your all and not produce quality work because we are working as unto the Lord. Okay? He's, our, he's our, our boss, our real master. Okay? Um, secondly, we need to look at why am I discontent? Okay. Now, uh, okay, maybe I don't have enough money. Uh, is it because my basic needs are not met? Is it because, you know, I'm not able to give enough to the Lord? Or is it because, you know, I'm just greedy. I'm, I'm comparing myself to everybody else. I'm, you know, uh, I think I deserve more because this is what the market pays. Um, you know, ask yourself, what is, what is really motivating you? Okay? Uh, is it because, you know, yeah, I want to grow in my career because I want to learn new things and I'm sort of stuck. At this place is it you know so there's multiple questions that you need to ask uh, and always make this decision prayerfully okay, if I'm going to look for another job or I'm going to skip jobs uh, you know how what is it going to do think about factors other than money okay what is it going to do to my spiritual life you know what is it going to do uh, you know let's say let's say uh, I got a new job offer you know one of our brothers recently he called me up he had this happen okay he got a job offer at another another place and he was agonizing right and uh, there were some financial benefits to him if he took this other offer which was in another city but uh, but uh, he was very burdened because he felt like spiritually he needed to stay here he needed to be part of part of this church now maybe for some people that may not be a, an issue okay uh, maybe the lord wants you to move to another place so and he looked at all those factors and he talked to a couple of people. He got some advice, you know, godly advice. And then eventually he decided to stay put and give up that offer that he had in the other city. Right? So, so when you're looking at a job, don't just be 
tunnel vision than look single-mindedly only at salary and only at benefits. Okay, put it in the context of what does the Lord want me to do? Is this the will of the Lord for me? Okay, uh, and uh, in the current context, I'll also say this. You know, you know, there was a time where, uh, say, a few years ago, where all these startups were booming and and all these kind of things, and, and they were paying more and, you know, giving great fun environments and all that. But, you know, now we're in a situation where they're running out of money, right? So there's always, again, I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong to go work for a startup, but, but keep in mind that certain companies, you know, they might not be the greatest paymasters, but they are financially stronger. Uh, I can name one company, but I won't, um, you know, and, and you're likely to have uh, uh, more stability I can't see anybody laughing. So you guys are all on uh, outside of video. So, uh, but I'm sure some of you were laughing at that comment. Uh, so, you know, uh, again, look at, look at those things. Okay. Uh, so uh, uh, again, now coming back to this question of uh, what would you say to someone who, sorry, uh, factors to not consider. Again, there's no factor not to consider. Okay. Uh, desiring a better pay can be a factor, uh, you know, a little better, better benefits. But again, you look at, your condition. Okay. Now maybe, uh, you know, you are in a situation where, uh, you know, you're, you just you got married, you guys are together financially, you're okay, but you've got a child coming, but it's going to be very difficult on your current income. Okay. You prayerfully take that to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, you know, is it time for me to consider, uh, you know, getting another job that pays more, right? Uh, you know, we would, uh, our, our needs are going to go up. And you prayerfully submit submit that to the Lord and let him open doors. Let him. And I've talked to some of our brothers here. There was one brother uh, who I obviously won't name who, you know, a, a job, you know, he was because of certain issues, you know, he, he felt he should look for a job. And, and, and I know I was, uh, I was trying to help him out. And I said, uh, you know, uh, uh, give me your resume. And he took some time, okay, because he was busy with something at his work. He couldn't get to it. And then, um, then uh, a few weeks later, I checked with him again, and uh, and and he said, uh, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll get it to you tomorrow." So I said, "Well, I think I think they might have already." Uh, I said, "I'll go ahead and submit it, but they might have already found somebody because it's been a few weeks." And and and, and I loved his response. He's like, "If that's the case, that's absolutely fine because you know if the Lord wanted to, wanted me to have that job, he could have kept it open, right?" So you know, trust in the Lord, be open to the Lord leave things up to him, do things prayerfully, uh, you know, commit your desires to the Lord and examine your heart in this matter. Why am I looking? Okay. Is it, am I looking for another job simply because you know what? My needs are all being met here. Okay. I'm able to send my kids to school. We have food on the table. You know, we are able to pay our rent. We are able to give to the Lord. Uh, but I still want more. Why do I want more? Because, you know, I want to expand my lifestyle. Okay. I want to improve my lifestyle because compared to everybody else around me, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm at a lower level, right? Is that the right motivation, right? Take it to the Lord, keep that in prayer and think through all these things, okay? All right. Uh, yeah, okay. What is living entirely by faith mean? How do you trust God to provide for all of your needs without a steady monthly income? So, uh, yeah, when we, when we use the term living entirely by faith, uh, it basically means that you are that you are not working a job. Okay, you are not working for a living in sense of 
well, I, I, probably not the right way to put it, okay, where you are engaged in ministry in answer to the call of the Lord, okay, and you're relying on him to provide for you through his people. Okay, so this is not, uh, you know, saying, you know what, hey, you know, I'm going to live by faith, I'm going to trust the Lord, so I'm just going to sit around at home and do nothing. Okay, that's not living by faith, that's being irresponsible. All right, because the Lord says that if you don't work, then you shouldn't eat. Okay, so the default is the Lord expects you and I to work for a living. All right, um, you know, and work, you know, work he, you know, he, uh, in the Garden of Eden, he, he told Adam that by the sweat of your brow, you know, you will produce, uh, you know, food for you to eat, right? Um, so he expects us to work for a living. Okay, now, certain people he's called to go and work. Uh, you know, the majority of people, the default is we go work for somebody, you know, and we're generating some value for them and they pay us on a regular basis for that value. Okay, but then there are some that the Lord might call to go into his vineyard to be into his ministry, okay? Um, and, uh, and those he has, you know, just like he has promised to provide for us uh, who are working in, in, uh, you know, in, in different jobs, he provides for us through our employer. For them, it's a special calling where the Lord is saying, because you're working for me, you know, you are working directly for me, okay? I am your employer, so to speak, right? And I'm going to provide for you in different ways you, know, you may not know how, you may not know from where, you don't have the guarantee the, the, the transfer is going to happen on the 30th of the month or the last day of the month, uh, but you can be assured that your needs will be met because you are working directly for me, you are serving me. Okay? So, uh, and this requires faith, that's why it's called living by faith, the faith in the sense of, you know, faith entirely in God as opposed to faith. So, even when you are... Uh, Working for somebody, you are putting some level of faith. Okay? I'm putting faith in my employer that they're not going to run out of cash, you know, and they can, you know, have enough money to transfer. Okay, some companies today are running out of cash; they don't have liquidity, right? For for because business has gone down or whatever, and so they declare bankruptcy. So even there, there's a little bit of faith that, okay, but again, that level of faith might be require a little less faith than if you are, uh, you know, in the Lord's work and relying on. Uh, so how do you trust God to provide for all of your needs without a steady monthly income? Well, you just do. I mean, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, people like Rebi, uh, Rebi Chai, and people like, uh, you know, Jobin, Raven, uh, others, you can talk to them and they can, uh, they can give you uh, some, uh, some insight into that. So I will ask our, uh, our other elder, uh, Rebi Chai, to please jump in and say a few thoughts on this. Yeah, I think there are... Uh... Uh, the person who is asking is probably trying to understand how do you, how you practice in uh, in a day-to-day situation. If if he steps out for full-time work, as we call it in our circles, how it is provide how that person is provided. So I just want to talk about the ways in which generally uh, uh, full-time workers and missions are funded. Uh, generally speaking, there are three types of strategies and uh, there, but in all, the philosophy is that God will provide. So the, they are known usually by uh, the names of the people who practice them. Uh, first is George Muller. So 
the brethren are encouraged to follow the example of Josh Miller. So the strategy there is prayer alone with no or minimal information and no solicitation at all. Now, when you come to the practice of it, uh, most of the brethren workers have been forced into it without actually getting convinced about it. So you have, they may not give out information, but we can call them hinting missionaries. They will say, we need that. Um, no, this is not happening. That is not happening, blah, blah, blah. So the hints of their needs come out or sometimes they go around and publish a lot of news about what's happening. Sometimes even of those things that are not happening as well. Uh, if, if anyone adopts that, uh, that method, then uh, he's not trusting the Lord to provide, but he is trusting on his own, um, his own um, communication. Uh, God is not able to provide with this philosophy. So I have to do something else. And he goes around doing that. And in the process, he actually um, brings in a lot of uh, shame on the gospel and gospel workers. And uh, brethren workers are notorious for this in the Gulf. And uh, I got quite a few friends in the Gulf who actually have talked to me in person about what they do, how they provide for the workers. And at the same time, they, they criticize these workers who come. So uh, there are people willing to give. And at the same time, uh, workers are actually not proceeding by faith when they adopt this. So, so the first strategy is prayer alone with no or minimal information and no solicitation. So George Miller says, it is not enough to obtain means for the work of God, but that these means should be obtained in God's way. To ask unbelievers for means is not God's way. To press even believers to give is not God's way. But the duty and privilege of being allowed to contribute to, God, to the work of God should be pointed out and this should be followed up with earnest prayer, believing prayer, and will result in the desired end. Yes. So this is um, Josh Miller's method. The second is um, Hudson Taylor's mother. Hudson Taylor, founder of China Inland Mission. Now it's called the OIM of Oasis Mission Foundation. So again, the philosophy here also is that God will provide, but the strategy is prayer full information and no solicitation. They will give out information, but they will not ask you for funds. So uh, one of the, uh, a quote from him is, the apostolic plan was not to raise ways and means to go and do the work, trusting, sorry. The apostolic plan was not to raise ways and means, but to go and do the work, trusting his promise who said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So both Mueller and uh, Taylor are actually trusting the Lord, and, but the strategy they adopt is different. 
uh, Hudson Taylor gives out full information, whereas George Miller doesn't. Now the third one is uh, D.L. Moody's method. So his strategy was prior full information and full solicitation. So he would come and challenge you. Why are you not giving? Give it. So his, uh, I quote from him, I show my faith when I go to men and state to them the needs of the Lord's work and ask them to give, give to it. Uh, all money belongs to the Lord and it can be had for the Lord's work if one goes about in the right way to get it. Uh, I'm not sure uh, um, I can adopt the other methods uh, for my personal uh, funding practices. I would stick to George Miller's method. But if one is not really uh, clear in his mind and pursues that, uh, you're going to be frustrated uh, at it. Uh, so, just a question. So these are obviously maybe the first and the second, there's a, there's a subtle difference. The third seems to be very, very different. Right? Yes. Method. So uh, are you saying that all of these are biblical or uh, one is more biblical than another? Or? I, I think all of them are biblical. If you proceed with the, uh, if, if that's the way the Lord uh, guides you. Mm. Uh, well, uh, let me talk about you, for example. Uh, you are uh, trying to provide for a ministry. Okay, You are working and you are putting it your own money into it, but that money, let's say it's not enough. You're trying to help somebody to buy a property, set up some institution, etc. And you go and challenge someone and say, because you know that uh, they are not using money in the proper way. I think in that context, it would be great um, exercise of faith. But if I go and do it, I don't think that glorifies God there. So there's a lot of difference between uh, who does it in what context and what people are perceiving all those kind of things are there um, then uh, again there was a, um, if, the, uh, if you're if you're a person who is considering full-time work I uh, strongly suspect someone is and that question is coming up again and again uh, so some of these uh, you know your, the ministry itself can be very direct. Yeah, sometimes it can be using platforms like mission agencies and organizations. And uh, uh, sometimes there's a small salary that comes which is minimal and not enough to survive. Sometimes it's a very rich uh, mission agency. You know, if you talk about uh, worldwide mission agencies, if you're in the IMB, the Southern Baptists or the Assemblies of God, people around think that you're rich. And of course they make a lot of money. But in our situations, uh, uh, that's not uh, the way that we promote as a church. We encourage each person to look to the Lord. And if you cannot practice um, your faith in a small little thing, probably you cannot do in other stuff as well. So how does the Lord provide? You know, you seek the Lord for your needs, not exactly person or agencies. Uh, I remember a beautiful thing from uh, George Miller's autobiography, what he says. You 
uh, tend to look at, uh, if you look at people, uh, some of them are, have the uh, heart to give and they are able to give. And all of a sudden you see that their ability to give is gone. Then whom do you look at? Secondly, a person is there hard to give and has plenty to give and all of a sudden he dies. If you look at that person, what happens to you? So basically we need to look at the Lord and the Lord provides through various means, even in, in the scripture, Philemon, a rich person, a, the widow of Sarafat, not even a believer probably to be considered in that context. The Macedonian church, which is very poor, you know, ravens for the prophet, uh, things like this. And uh, personally, I have received through individual believers, rich and poor. I have, um, I have received gifts amounting to multiple lakhs of rupees, one person, as well as uh, 10 rupees from, 10 rupee gifts from different people. To me, everything, uh, the, the source is the Lord. And sometimes there are churches that support you for a season, sometimes uh, throughout. Uh, the gifts might vary, but you know, sometimes some churches do that. Sometimes some small groups of believers do that. And uh, coming to my kids' education, you know, it was the institutions themselves. You know, Jono's education came completely from a secular state university uh, scholarship. Johans came mostly through um, um, a Christian university. It was uh, full tuition. So the Lord is able to provide and uh, uh, whether you solicit or not is not, not the criteria by which uh, God is going to give to you. Uh, I would encourage everyone to, uh, to really believe that the Lord will provide even without you hinting your needs, and you know at that in that place you're you're at a great place there, uh, trusting the Lord to provide by um, by uh, trusting Him to uh, work in the hearts of people. And there are seasons where I I have gone through a little struggled, uh, not enough for food or even medicine and stuff like that. But that is a then the Lord allowed me to go through it, to be trained by it. And I would have uh, lost uh, that training if I had not, if I had uh, avoided this method. And there are seasons where I have been uh, uh, supplied with plenty and more. And to a certain extent, I had to tell uh, the people from a church that was going on giving. And I said, please go and tell your church that right now I have, uh, abundance, uh, please give to some other need. And uh, you know, when there are there's extra lots of extra money coming in, I've been able to give out also lots. And sometimes it's a, you may not realize it's uh, sometimes you are the full time worker is in a position where he gives even much more than um, a person in the uh, in, in a uh, in a uh, work in a secular work, but. He can misuse it and, uh, you know, build up his own empire secretly or obviously. I hope um, the answer is there. Thank you, uh, Ramichan. I think that's very, very insightful comments coming uh, 
from uh, life experience it's always uh, uh, you know always much more powerful uh, very quickly a couple more questions here could you explain matthew 542 should we always give whenever anyone asks to borrow money even if you sense that the borrower is not responsible or hardly okay so again matthew 542 says give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you do not turn away so as with any other verse okay we we need to look at this in the context and if you go back a few verses you know this is talking about retaliation okay it's talking about our attitude towards other people right so you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye tooth for a tooth but i tell you not to resist but i tell you not to resist an evil person but whoever slaps you on your right cheek turn the other cheek also if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic let him have your cloak also and whoever compels you to go on go one mile go with him too give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you do not turn away so this is talking about you know jesus in the sermon on the mount is talking about our relationship with other people and our attitude in terms of standing up for our own rights okay so you know i have been wronged you know how are you dealing with somebody that has been wronged and in that context he says if somebody asks you for something hey just give it you know and and you shouldn't uh, and and he's talking here about earthly possessions your earthly possessions should not be of such value to you that that you hold on to them you know with uh, on the basis of your rights or your or your fairness or you've been wrong and this is a very good advice for believers especially when it comes to money issues and i mentioned a while back that that one of the things that i try to the principle that i've tried very hard to follow and sometimes it's difficult is to is to ensure that money never comes in the way of my relationship with uh, with either with my own family members or with uh, fellow believers right uh, if there is a money dealing and they act unfairly towards me then i'm not going to make an issue of it i'm just going to let it go right and let the lord deal with it i think that's a context in which he's talking about here uh, but to your point of uh, you know even if you sense that the borrower is not responsible see i i think i i address this earlier okay if someone needs money of course if they have a desperate need and they need food they need uh, you know have their basic needs met and the lord has brought you into their path we should meet those needs you know buy them a meal whatever but it's of data value if you can sit down with that believer and try to counsel him and understand what is the root cause for his problem is it that he's not working is it that he's too profligate in spending you know is it that he's not being wise uh, it could be any number of reasons right so uh, and we need to help them establish you know look at these principles and try to get things right you know do they need help making a budget right uh, so so it is i think we do have a obligation or a duty rather to to try to help them out both in their immediate need but also in the longer term so that they can handle their money properly okay uh, last question how much consideration should we give to our financial situation when deciding on major life events like getting married or having a child is there some amount we should have saved beforehand yeah so i talked about that earlier right when you you know uh, again you know i i always think it's it's that before you get married you know you should have some idea of of your path forward okay? and what i mean by that is either you know you have a job you know what you can do or if you're a, you know have a call for the lord's work you should be clear on that so that you know as you go into marriage even as you make that decision you can find a mate uh, a helpmate who is aligned with that thinking okay uh, and uh, then yeah if you know you're having a child 
should save uh, as much as possible, save for it and be prepared for it. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, I, I think the person is asking, you know, should we wait until that to do it? Again, that's a tough question to answer. I think, I think these are factors to think about, right? To ask yourself, am I ready for marriage? Okay, if I am uh, <laughs> sort of jobless and I don't know what I'm going to do and nothing is firm, I don't know if I'm going in the Lord's work. A lot of people, you know, they they can find something and then they say, well, I might be thinking about going for the Lord's work. You know, don't go and get married if you're not sure. About, especially if you're going to the Lord's work, because going to the Lord's work is not just you. It requires you and uh, your partner okay, to both be in it 100% and committed to that. Okay? Uh, and so you have to be sure about some of these things before you make uh, those important decisions. Okay, so uh, those are the, uh, the questions I have. We've managed to get through all of them. Uh, I do hope that, um, you know, that this has been... Uh, benefit to you and my prayer is that uh, you know that as you especially most of you very young and you're young and uh, you're starting off in your life I mean this, these are some great principles okay they're from the word of God but if you apply you know you will have a far more enriching life and it's, again it's not about that you will be enriched financially but you will be enriched spiritually okay your walk with the Lord will improve will, will, will strengthen and you will be far more effective in the lives of others, in their own life and in the lives of others. So, with that, we'll wrap it up. Uh